It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. You remember that old James Taylor hit, Fire and Rain? Well, a lot of folks in Northern California have certainly been seeing their share of fire, and in Kentucky, there has been way too much rain and disastrous flooding. My prayers go out to all of those affected by these events. Unfortunately, we are in the heart of wildfire season, especially in the western U.S., and while a number of these fires start from lightning strikes during thunderstorms, Far too many start due to the carelessness of us human beings. With that in mind, let's run through a few reminders to prevent wildfires this summer. First off, if you smoke, for the love of God, please do not flick that lit cigarette out of the car window or drop it by the side of the road or in the dry grass because that's a great way to start a wildfire in a hurry. The same goes for where you're driving. Don't park in dry grassy areas with a running engine or one that has a hot engine even if you turn it off it can still catch that grass on fire likewise if you're driving a motorcycle or atv off-road be sure to have a spark arrester and then there's fires caused by negligence know the burning restrictions in your area there's a good chance you are not allowed to burn yard debris where you live right now because of the danger of starting a fire and campers in some areas are not allowed to even have campfires If you are allowed to have a campfire, though, be sure to drown it out, stir it with a stick, and make sure it's cold to the touch before you leave. Every year, unattended or abandoned campfires cause forest fires. Smokey the Bear has been right all of these years. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sound advice. Let's heat it. This week on America Outdoors Radio, we've got a great lineup of guests for you in just a minute. We'll be telling you about some new crappie lures from TTI Blakemore when we chat with our old friend Ron Stallings, the marketing director for this Alabama-based company. After that, we'll have the pleasure of getting Joanne O'Brien and Brady LeBeau on the line. They are with Skeeter Boats, based in Kilgore, Texas, and this well-known boat company is celebrating 75 years of making bass boats, as well as walleye boats and bay boats right here in the USA. That is a long, long time, and they actually have got two new models coming out for bass anglers to celebrate this milestone anniversary. From there, we'll head to the Rocky Mountain West, where Emmy-nominated outdoors journalist Chris Milgate will tell you about the latest documentary she is working on. It's called On Grizzly Ground, and it's all about the grizzly bears of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem living in Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. Our final guest of the day, that would be Connor Lease. He just wrote a great article for the Idaho Department of Fish and Game about fishing creeks and camping at them too. If you're a trout angler anywhere in the U.S., this sounds like a whole bunch of fun and Connor will share some tips to help you have a good time doing it. Throw in yet another record fish to tell you about and we've got a lot coming your way in the hour ahead. So settle back and let's talk a little fishing. 
Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've been telling you about some of the new products that were unveiled at ICAST in Orlando, Florida last month, and we're going to tell you about a couple more today. We've got Ron Stallings on the line with TTI Blakemore, and they've got a couple of lures and lure accessories that I think you're really going to want to have the next time you hit the water for crappie. Ron, great to have you on the air again. Hey, thanks a lot, John. I appreciate it, man. TTI Blakemore is the, the longtime maker of the world-famous Roadrunner Lure. Yes. And now you've got the sickle hook roadrunner head. Tell our listeners how this differs from the regular roadrunner head. Well, this particular roadrunner that, that uh, we came up with, we designed the lure first, so the head had to kind of match the, the body type itself. Now, the body is made by Bobby Garland. It's called a slab hunter, and it has a twin button tail. It has a ribbed underbelly. And then you have that coupled with the Roadrunner head. Now, it's not the traditional style-looking pony-type head that everybody's used to. It has a little bit longer nose by about sixteenth eh, of an inch or so. And that provides enough room for the blade to go underneath that body. And it's also got a barbed head and the sickle hook. Now, the 16th ounce has a one-alt sickle hook and the 8th ounce has a two-alt sickle hook. It has a barb on the head itself. But if you're using a thinner plastic, you can take your thumb and pluck that that barb off where it won't tear up a smaller, narrower plastic. But the particular plastic that we're using on it right now is a little bit thicker. It's a little bit larger profile. And man, let me tell you, the action on this thing is unreal. And the testing that we did uh, during the spring with some of our pros was outrageous. Two and a half, three pounders constantly in Grenada Lake in Mississippi and Lake Jordan here in Alabama, Cooter's Pond here in Alabama. So there was a lot of really big crappie already caught on this thing. But the really cool thing I like about this is the sickle hook. The sickle hook has that V towards the back and it kind of it kind of traps the fish. So when it's locked down in that V, it's kind of hard for them to ride back around like you would on a round bend hook. And uh, we were able to use a smaller barb, and that also helps prevent a larger hole in the fish's mouth and prevents them from getting unbuttoned under the fight. So these come in 16th and 8th ounce, 1 alt, 2 alt sickle hooks. Uh, we got the heads and the crappie extractor itself. So there's options right there, right off the giddy-up, that you can go out and just knock them out on them big crappie. Well, this sounds really exciting. And let's talk about, again, the body that is paired with the crappie extractor soft plastic bait. Go ahead and describe this in a little more detail and, and why this is going to work so well. Well, your normal traditional button tails has one button hanging off the, the end. This actually has two smaller buttons that come into the shape of a T or a V at the back. So you have two knobs on there. And instead of just a side-to-side, you get a side-to-side up-and-down shimmy action on this thing. And the other cool thing is underneath is a ribbed body. It has a ribbed body, and it puts out a lot of frequency that fish pick up on their lateral lines. So... The other cool thing is, is when you cast this thing, air can get trapped inside those little slits underneath the ribbed body and release as the bait descends in the water column. So it almost has a visual effect along with the sound and vibration of the body and the flash of the blade from the roadrunner head. And the body's uh, about two inches long, two and a quarter inches long. So it's like I said, it's a larger profile, but... The other cool thing is the guys that I send this to up north have caught walleye on this thing and bass. So we call it a crappie extractor. We wanted something with a larger profile because the majority of our stuff is a smaller profile. 
but we wanted a larger profile, so we selected this body from Bobby Garland to couple with this sickle hook head, and it has taken off, and it is a phenomenal bait. I think your listeners are going to love using this thing. Well, I think I'm going to love using it, too. Again, folks, the crappie extractor, soft plastic bait, pair it with the sickle hook roadrunner head, and it sounds like you're going to be into some fish in a hurry, whether it be crappie or, as Ron just mentioned, walleye or bass or other species, too. Last question, when will they become available? They will be available November 1st. Perfect Christmas present stocking stuffers. Just keep your eye on the TTI Blakemore website and start looking in sporting goods stores all over the country for these products and more from TTI Blakemore. They make some really good stuff. Ron, thanks as always. Yes, sir. Anytime. If you need anything, let us know. outdoors today? The National Shooting Sports Foundation reminds you to check the fire danger levels in your area. Whether target shooting, camping, or even parking a car with a hot exhaust, remember to take precautions. If you're going shooting in dry conditions, minimize the possible risk of fire by not using steel jacketed or steel core ammunition, tracer rounds, or exploding targets. As we know, wildfires have many possible causes. Don't be one of them. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting goods stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. 
Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska is booked for the season, which means now is the time to book for next year. And you'll want to do so soon because at the end of a typical summer, the lodge is over 80% booked. The reasons? The great fishing, the wonderful location, the comfortable accommodations, the fantastic food, and the over-the-top customer service. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book today at alaskasbestlodge.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop is Kilgore, Texas. That's the worldwide headquarters for Skeeter Boats. They are celebrating their 75th anniversary. Yes, they have been around a long time. With us here to tell us more about the history of the company and the lineup of boats they offer is Joanne O'Brien and Brady LeBeau. Joanne, Brady, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. We're really happy to be here. Happy to be here, John. Can't wait to uh, give an overview of our big celebration. Well, I'll tell you what, 75 years, I had no idea that Bass Boats, which is what your company is primarily known for, have been made that long. I literally thought they first cropped up in the 60s or 70s. So, Brady, I know you know a lot about the history of the company. Why don't you walk our listeners through it? Sure, yeah. Designing a boat for bass fishing is something that's been going on since 1948. Our founder, Holmes Thurman, designed in his garage the first bass boat ever that, that we like. We like to claim that fame and believe that uh, it's the first boat designed around bass fishing. From that time, we've continued to innovate as a company by introducing fiberglass uh, into our boats in 1950s. And then 1961, we were purchased by the Stemco company where Ben Cook kind of led our organization, and we continued to innovate through the 60s and kind of progressed as a company in our design through the changes of bass fishing and the demands of our anglers. In 1975, we introduced a V-bottom boat similar to what you would be familiar with from our bass lineup now. In 1983, we were acquired by the Coleman Company, known for camping in the outdoors, and we launched several successful models with them, including our SX Bass models. Through 1990, we introduced a deep V boat that is, was more capable and suited for fishing up north in some of those larger bodies of water and more designed around walleye anglers. And then into the 90s and 92, we introduced our first bay boat. So the time where we began to expand and be in multiple markets, not just the bass market. And a big part of our history is in 1996 when we were acquired by Yamaha Motor Company. And they have been with us till today. And we continue to innovate our products and have recently, in 2017, started building trailers. And so now we build boats and trailers, our whole lineup here in Kilgore, Texas. And we're super excited to celebrate 75 years. And we're very proud of how far we come. And we're certainly looking forward to the future. Well, I'll tell you what, I live up in the Pacific Northwest, and I fish a few bass tournaments up here, and Skeeter boats are very well representative. I, they make up a, a big part of any group of boats that's heading out on tournament day. How big is your market share when it comes to the, the bass boats, Joanne? John, our market share is roughly 20%. You know, and that's impressive considering how many bass boat companies are out there these days. But again, well-represented. Folks seem to love Skeeter boats, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. As a matter of fact, you've come out with a 75th anniversary boat that looks like it is a bass tournament-ready machine. Tell our listeners about this. 
You know, John, this boat is so striking when you see it in person. It is actually one of our Apex models, but it has a special color combination. It has a black tritex and black gel colors offset with some wheat pinstripes. And it also has the badging that is gold on the boat and the trailer. And then inside the boat, right on the cockpit area, is where we have the EVA flooring. And it also has the FXR logo in that boat. So it also comes with uh, a Yamaha D-Max Show outboard and Hummingbird Electronics and a Minn Kota Altrex trolling motor, along with Raptor shallow water anchors and a host of other standard features. It is an impressive boat, and, you know, a lot of bass boats, they kind of start off with, you know, the, the trolling motor might not that be that great or the electronics might not be that great, but this looks like it is tournament-ready on delivery. Yeah, John, it's basically tournament-ready. Dealer has to do a few turnkey things, but other than that, it's ready to go. So, Brady, is there anything else new from Skeeter to celebrate 75 years on the water? You know, the 75th anniversary boat, you think it'd be enough, but we're actually introducing a new model that we're really excited about, and we're expanding on our ZXR line of boats. It's our number one selling line, and we're introducing a 19-foot boat in that category with the ZXR 19. So is this going to be powered by a 250 horse or a 150 horse or something else? This boat's going to be 19 foot, 10 inches, and it's going to be powered by a Yamaha 225 SHO. Well, that is a very capable engine that should be working just fine for just about any tournament you want to compete in. Is this one available now? Yes, they are arriving at dealerships now for model year 2023, and this boat is going to be tournament ready off the showroom floor, ready to go out and compete, you know, high school, college, or just having fun making memories with your family. It's ready to go. Let's talk a little bit about your Deep V lineup. It's one I'm not that familiar with, but I'm sure a lot of walleye anglers are. What's the most popular model you have in the Deep V lineup? John, I would have to say that would be our WX2060 is our most popular Deep V model. And as for the bay boats, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I've often wondered why a lot of bass anglers don't use bay boats because they have some real advantages in terms of getting in real skinny water. Do you see a lot of folks buying bay boats and using them on fresh water? Is it pretty much they're using them on the Gulf Coast? You know, I do have to say that we do have a few bay boats that do fish in the fresh waters. I know that there is some up north that fish in those rough waters also in the Great Lakes. But they are primarily used on the coast. I recently went out in one, and we went offshore fishing, and it was awesome. It was awesome boat. Did you catch anything? Absolutely. We caught some <laughs> stuff. But I have to say the sharks caught more than we did. <laughs> Ooh, yes, that is always a challenge of fishing in the saltwaters. You're competing with another predator out there. Another question right. for you here, and, and this is one that the entire boating industry is facing I was at the Bassmaster Classic in Fort Worth, Texas last year and talking to the different dealers, and they were all saying the same thing, that the supply chain crisis was really impacting their ability to manufacture boats and to get those boats out to dealers. And dealers, even now, are still you know, not having a, an easy time filling their inventories, especially in this time of high demand. Are things getting better yet or not? 
You know, I like to think that things are getting better, John. You know, we still struggle with a few supply chain issues. You know, I don't know if you've heard the term. Sometimes it's uh, whack-a-mole, you know. One thing is available and then suddenly something else is not. So, you know, we do have our challenges with the supply chain, but we are working through those and, and, and they continue to get better. That's a relief because, again, it's like the best of times and the worst of times to be in the industry because I think demand has never been higher for boats, especially fishing boats, but the ability to deliver them with the supply chain crisis has really throttled down the ability to take advantage of this situation. Absolutely, you're correct. Well, hopefully things will keep getting better. In the meantime, folks, if you want to take a look at the 75th anniversary bass boat, it's an absolute beauty. And take a look at all the boats that Skeeter has available. Go to their website at skeeterboats.com. That's S-K-E-E-T-E-R, skeeterboats.com. And look for a dealer near you and head on down. Check them out. I bet you you're going to want to be buying a bass boat or a walleye boat or a bay boat and take it out of the water and go fishing. Joanne, Brady, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. We appreciate you, John. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Have a good one. Explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska is booked for the season, which means now is the time to book for next year. And you'll want to do so soon because at the end of a typical summer, the lodge is over 80% booked. The reasons? The great fishing, the wonderful location, the comfortable accommodations, the fantastic food, and the over-the-top customer service. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book today at alaskasbestlodge.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Let's talk about one of the most magnificent animals in North America. It's an apex predator. It generally has no fear of anybody or anything. It's the grizzly bear. And we've got Chris Milgate on the line. She is the Emmy-nominated journalist who is doing a project all about grizzly bears, making a documentary called On Grizzly Ground. Chris, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for inviting me back. It's always fun to visit with you, John. Well, first off, I want to say congratulations for being nominated for an Emmy for your last documentary, Ocean to Idaho, all about the migration of salmon from the ocean 900 miles to their spawning grounds in Idaho. That is quite a feather in your cap. Yeah, I was excited to see it nominated for two Emmys. And it's a project that I'm pretty attached to. You know, people say, what's on your bucket list? At the time, that was my bucket list. So to follow salmon migration and watch what they go through to get home and then also see what I went through to get home, it was a pretty special project and people are really attached to it and watching it, especially right now in the summer when fish are 
migrating from the ocean to Idaho, so it's always exciting to have people want to watch it right now when the fish are moving. Oh, absolutely. But I've got to tell you, I'm really excited about this new project on Grizzly Ground. And before we talk about the filming you're doing for it right now, let's start off with the history of the grizzly bear in the American West and talk about where we're at today with these animals in terms of population. I think the one thing that's intriguing about grizzly bears is the fact that, honestly, they can kill you. And that intrigues some people and it makes other people extremely uncomfortable. So when you're talking about salmon, they're food. They're pretty harmless. When you're talking about grizzlies, they are not our food. Sometimes we are their food. And that changes the whole dynamic of a project. And, you know, in the 80s, there were less than 200 grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. And they landed on the endangered species list. And now, 40-plus years later, more than 1,000 grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So we gave this animal some space gave it time to produce babies. They only have babies every other year, so they produce a lot slower than a wolf. And now they're on the landscape, and their numbers show that we can have them here. The challenge is having them here, and how do we change now? Now they're here. And I think a lot of people aren't realizing that we have to change the way we live, work, and play in bear country because the landscape has an animal on it that needs space, that doesn't want us around, and we've got to figure out how we change how we handle our food in camp and how we handle ourselves on the trail because there's an animal there that a lot of people grew up with not worrying about having a grizzly on the trail, and now we share the trail with those bears. Oh, we certainly do. And not only that, but grizzly bears, their range is expanding. They're not just in places like Yellowstone National Park or Grand Teton National Park or even Glacier National Park. In recent years, they've actually been going out on the Montana prairies in places like Shoto, showing up in apple orchards. There's been livestock attacks. And you're right, you know, this expansion in places where none of us have seen grizzly bears in our lifetime, it is causing us to make some changes in how we go about doing even everyday tasks. Yeah, it's concerning when you drive through a lot of areas in the greater Yellowstone area, and there's garbage. I mean, I saw I saw it just Thursday morning. It was garbage day in Teton County, Idaho, and everyone's cans were out, and they don't, they're don't they not necessarily bear-proof, and the ones that are, their lids might be popped open and overflowing with garbage, and you drive behind restaurants, and those dumpsters are easily open. They can easily be open, and it's just this whole mindset we've got to change, and we're actually changing slower <laughs> than the grizzly bears are adapting. We're not adapting fast enough. And so that's concerning to see that happen. And the reality is wildlife doesn't recognize boundaries. So, yeah, it's quaint and exciting to have them in Yellowstone and Grand Teton and Glacier. Those are all national parks. Those are places people go to visit. But they don't stay in there. They come out onto the landscape, and they want to be where you hike and where you fish and where you hunt. And they want to be where a rancher runs his cows. I went on a cattle drive a couple weeks ago. There could be possibly 30 bears in the area where this guy is leaving his cows for summer grazing. That causes a great deal of anxiety, and that changes livelihoods, not just your vacation plans. Oh, you're absolutely right. Got to ask, I mean, I I know you started filming. You're going to be doing so into October. Uh, Have you had some close-up encounters with grizzlies yet? Every time I've been out to shoot footage of grizzlies, I have seen grizzlies, and people will say, be careful. And I'm well aware that a grizzly bear, following a grizzly bear for a summer is a lot different than following a fish for the summer. But I can pull off this assignment without seeing a bear every day. It's not my goal to go nose to nose with a grizzly. I have, 
but it was I was asleep. <laughs> it was sedated at the time. And so I know better than that. I know not to try to get right up in their business while I'm on this project. On that cattle drive, I knew we were in the area where there were bears. We did not see a single bear all day. So you're in these areas. There's no guarantee you're going to see a bear, but you always need to be aware that you're in their landscape. And so I always have bear spray. I hiked all last week with it on me. I went on a cattle drive with it on me. I'll be having it on me every time I'm out. I can pull off this assignment without having to see a bear every day. But I do need footage of grizzly bears. So in early summer, that was the best shot of getting footage. And a couple weeks ago, I went with the biologists that trap grizzly bears and put collars on their necks so they can find out where they go. They'll wander around more than a thousand miles in one summer. So it's it's important to keep track of where they're going. And I was close to a bear that day because he was asleep on the ground. He was tranquilized with some sleepy time medicine so that they could measure him and check his teeth and put a collar on him. In those days, I know I'm going to be around bears and I have to have footage of bears, but it's not an everyday occurrence that I'm seeing them. That wouldn't be smart. I understand that bear was sedated, but just being so close to an <clears throat> animal like that, I mean, being able to handle the paws and see the claws and look at the teeth and just see what a massive animal it was, that's got to be really something. It's a pretty overwhelming moment when you can go with professional biologists and trained officers that know how to sit at a trap site and do your job within an element of an animal that has a paw bigger than your head and their fingernails their claws are longer than your whole finger. And I find that I have a lot of footage of claws. <laughs> they're not like a cat. They don't, they don't retract. You know, they're always out. <laughs> so I, I can see them. You know, they're laying there on the forest floor and they're on oxygen and they're snoring because they're so deep asleep. But yet their claws are still out. And that you just can't help but notice that. And their fur, it's really thick and dense and deep. And you can stick your fingers down in it and it's dirty. I mean, they are what wild should be. And it's just a humbling experience to see that. And when you arrive at a site, that bear is, is in a trap and, and mad. So they're not asleep right away. So you can hear all the rumblings and, and, and experience the strength that they have just in their movements. And then when, when they're asleep, you can really look at teeth and paws, like you say, and their fur, and see how they live. I mean, they're just like a bunch of little kids in the summertime. They don't bath. So it's a, it's a dirty mess up in their fur, and that's how it should be. And they're healthy, and they, they just exhume this power. I interviewed a tribal member for the Eastern Shoshone, and he explained to me how the grizzly bear represents power. And in the tribe, it, it's kind of translates like a battery. You know, when you switch on something that uses a battery, the power emanates out of it and everything around it shifts. The same thing happens with a grizzly bear. When a grizzly bear comes through the forest, power emanates from that animal and all the other animals around it shift. And I thought that that's a pretty appropriate explanation of what goes on in the woods when a grizzly bear comes through. Well, Chris, I can't wait to see On Grizzly Ground. And folks, if you want to keep up with it as it goes through its production schedule and find out when it's going to air, the website to go to is ongrizzlyground.com. On Grizzly Ground, the new documentary by Chris Milgate. Look for it coming out, I'm guessing, next year, Chris? Yes, we'll shoot it all this summer, and then the film will premiere next summer, summer 2023. I can't wait to see it. Again, folks, on Grizzly Ground, keep up with it and get ready to see some incredible footage next summer. Chris, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. 
Thanks, John. On a related note, fall bear seasons are opening up around the United States. And if you're in the market for a good bear gun, check out the Lever Action X model 4570 from Henry Repeating Arms. It combines modern performance with classic lever action lineage. Came out in 2020, it's a new rifle. And with a synthetic stock and forearm, it's lightweight and worry-free. It has a Picatinny rail, so you can mount accessories and a scope and a blue steel barrel that's topped off with fiber optic sights for quick target acquisition. Check out the Lever Action X Model 4570 and other Lever Action rifles you can use for bear hunting at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Find a dealer near you, and don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Country Hunters and Anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Next on America Outdoors Radio, it is summertime, and I've got a 
great idea for you. Camping with a fishing rod along a creek that's full of trout. Does that sound fun to you? It sure sounds fun to me. And somebody who wrote an article about this very thing, how to find the perfect backcountry creekside fishing camp, is Connor Lease with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. He's a public information specialist there. Connor, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate being here. Why do you love doing this so much during the summer months? You know, it's, it's a great way to kind of combine both my interests. I get to go out and I can go hiking during the day and kind of come back to camp and, and do some fishing stream or creek during the afternoon. And it's a great way to cool off. You know, generally the, the temperatures are a lot cooler up in the mountains. And just a great way to, to kind of unwind under the, after a long day or kick off a good morning fishing. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, so many people, when they think of backcountry fishing, they think of going to an alpine lake or even if it's not an alpine lake, just a lake. But crick fishing has so much to offer. And to me, it's pretty darn interesting because, you know, at a lake, you're fishing the lake and there's not, you know, outside of obvious structure and the inlet and the outlet, there's not a whole lot of strategy to it. But with a crick, the pools and the runs are ever-changing. You're always trying to figure out where the fish are lying. Yeah, that's totally true. They'll be little smaller you see kind of in the, in the same kind of alpine lake region but yeah you're exactly right you have a lot more room to work with you could cover 25 miles in a day along a creek or a stream and you know cover a lot of ground find a lot of holes and it's just more fun that way i think to kind of you know get, get out and explore well and something else i like about this concept is so many people again they're focused on bigger bodies of water and a lot of times people will focus on the river not even think of the tributary streams. How do you try to figure out some good streams to go to? You know, it's, it's, it can actually be pretty daunting. But, you know, honestly, there's no shortage of tributaries that flow into um, some of these bigger uh, rivers. But a good starting point, I always like to either use Google Maps or paper, you know, full, uh, Forest Service maps, the big types that fold out, or even just, you know, your favorite uh, outdoor GPS app. And all those have great resources. A lot of them have satellite imagery. And, you know, and so that's, that gives you kind of a good starting point. You pull up those maps, find maybe a campground or a river that you're somewhat familiar with um, as kind of a starting point, and zoom in, do, do some real up-close research and kind of, you know, scour those, those rivers, see what's flowing into them. And a lot of times it doesn't really even matter what the, the creeks or the streams are named. They're almost likely going to hold fish. You know, they may not be the lunkers that you find in the rivers, but they're, you know, they're going to hold fish. And a lot of times, you know, they can offer kind of a fun new chance to explore somewhere it's completely new that you're not going to see another soul no matter how far up you go. So it's kind of fun in that regard. Oh, I completely agree. And I think that is the beauty of creek fishing as opposed to river fishing or lake fishing is you're right. You can cover a lot of ground in a day and you often have all the water to yourself. Do you like using a fly rod or a spinning rod? And what are some of your favorite flies or lures to use? I'm partial to a fly rod. You can't go wrong with either, though. So I have a seven foot five weight fly rod that I use, but you know anywhere in in the ballpark of seven to nine feet with you know three to five weight line, um, you know again you're you're fishing really small bodies or uh, riverways. Uh, you don't need anything too big. Four x five x tapered leaders great. And then you kind of if you're going to go the the fly fishing route, kind of decide on if you want to use dry flies or you know subsurface flies like nymphs and woolly buggers and things like that. I've always had really good luck with ants, big old fat cork floating ants and then maybe drop a little zebra midge or something small because again a lot of those a lot of the fish that you're going to find in these creeks and streams you know they're smaller and a lot of times those big ants they'll definitely go for them and that's half the fun is uh, throwing a huge ant out there and 
watching them come up and try to take it, but <laughs> they'll go just as hard for those little nymphs and zebra midges and copper johns and whatever else you want to throw out there. But the same can be said too with spin rods. Uh, I haven't had as much experience with spin rods on the smaller streams, but same thing, you know, if you have a five to seven foot uh, rod with, you know, four pound test is usually a good starting point. And then throw something flashy out there, you know, try spoons, different spinners, pretty much any sporting goods store is going to give you just an overwhelming amount to go from. And if you want to sweeten the deal, you can always throw in a little chunk of worm, it goes a long way. But again, it doesn't have to be much. These fish are hungry. They're a little smaller, but they'll hit pretty hard. And that's what makes it fun. Oh, you're right. And you know, I'm a spinner fisherman myself. I love tossing spinners and you can't go wrong with like a, a 1 16th ounce rooster tail or a number one Meps Aglia or a Black Fury or a 16th ounce Max mm-hmm. Promise Keeper. They all work fantastic in these small creeks. And, and you're right, you can get lots of hookups in a day of fishing. Let's talk about the camping side of the house. You know, do you have any tips for camping along these creeks? Because a lot of times you're not going to have the developed campgrounds that you will on the rivers or the lakes. Of course, yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of uh, this style of fishing, or if this is going to be kind of your weekend getaway, that's that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, so whether you're bringing family, whether you're bringing dogs, fishing along a camp, primarily dispersed camping, or even ones that are developed, they give you a lot of room to kind of run around you know, kind of establish your little fishing camp for the day. If you do have kids, you can turn them loose. You know, there's, it's a little bit safer than, uh, you know, if you're just pulling off the side of a forest or service road. They can kind of, you know, explore their heart's content. But that makes it fun. You know, you get to set up your camp for the day and spend as much time as you want fishing. And a lot of times there's, you know, little fire rings already available. And it makes for kind of a, a holistic experience when you're out camping and, and fishing at the same time. I agree completely. So, folks... You're looking for an idea, something to do this week. There you go. Set up the perfect backcountry creekside fishing camp. Start looking at a map. Go off those main rivers. Find yourself a tributary. Bring out the fly rod or the spinning rod. Pitch a tent. Have some fun. Catch some fish. Connor, thanks so much for sharing this great idea with us today on America Outdoors Radio. My pleasure, John. Thank you so much for having me. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp and... If you're going to go fishing and go camping and cook your catch, you're going to need, well, probably several sharp knives for that. And that's why you want to bring along a knife sharpener from WorkSharp. If you're pitching a tent, don't have electricity, try the guided field knife sharpener. That's one of my favorites. Fits into the glove box just fine. Or maybe the pocket knife sharpener, which is perfect for putting in the pocket of your shorts or pants. And they've got several other manual sharpeners too if you have an rv or a source of electricity well you've got all sorts of powered knife sharpeners to choose from all of them are going to keep those blades sharp so you can do the work you need to with the maximum efficiency check out the entire lineup of WorkSharp products at worksharptools.com and look for WorkSharp products at quality sporting goods stores near you as a matter of fact you know what i wasn't planning on this but i've got four of these pocket knife sharpeners from WorkSharp right in front of me, and we're going to give them away this weekend. So these WorkSharp pocket knife sharpeners, again, they're wonderful. They fit right in your pocket. They're really lightweight. They're very packable and compact, and they've got a ceramic surface on one side with guides so you get the perfect angle on your blade, and then a diamond surface on the other. You start with a diamond surface, and then you turn it over and use a ceramic surface, and in no time at all, That pocket knife of yours is going to be 
perfectly sharp and ready for any task at hand. So if you want one of these pocket knife sharpeners, again, we're giving four away, just shoot me an email. You can do so through my website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. Simply give me your name, let me know where you're from and what station you're listening to and you're entered for a chance to win. And when it's giving away four of these, I'd say your odds are not too bad. A heck of a lot better than the Mega Millions a couple weeks ago, that's for sure. Oh, and if you're that winner from Illinois, you're disqualified. You're not allowed to enter. But everyone else who didn't win can. And again, we're giving away four of these great pocket knife sharpeners from WorkSharp. So again, go to our website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. Send us an email. Just let us know what your name is, where you're from in terms of city and state, what station you're tuning into, and you are entered. We will... Go ahead and draw four names after our last broadcast this weekend. Notify the winners by email and get those knife sharpeners headed your way. And now it's time for one of my favorite segments we get to do on this show. It's record fish time. From Fox News, we learned that after 75 years, Colorado has a new state record for brook trout. Tim Daniel of Granby, Georgia caught the 7.84-pound brook trout in Monarch Lake in May. But it wasn't until the end of July that his catch was recognized as a state record breaker by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. The previous record for the largest brook trout was set in 1947. Boy, that is a a long-standing record. That was a 7.63-pound fish, and that was the state's longest-standing fish record, officials said in a press release. You know, speaking of Colorado, I remember the first brook trout I ever caught as a young child was on the Poudre River. My grandmother was fishing with me, and we were fishing right along the bank, and this 13-inch brookie, which... I still consider to be a big brook trout, took my lure and I reeled it in and it was the first brook trout and decent trout I think I had ever caught. I do miss you, Grandma, and I do miss the Poudre River. I'm going to have to get back there one of these days. And on that note, we've got to go. But here's hoping you are blessed and healthy in the week ahead and here's hoping you find some time to find a creek near you with some trout in it and spend a little time fishing. After all, it is your country and you're outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. (laughs) 